0: on anything at all, and you'll find it connected to everything else in the universe. A quote from John Meyer quoted in the book, The Guidebook to Transforming Adult ADD, ADHD, in Chapter 8 covering spirituality. This is the audio companion to The Guidebook of The Drummer in the Great Mountain, and we join you here each week to delve into and give you stories and make you feel connected to your community of what we call hunter types. In today's conversation with Michael we get into a few uh, topics covering really what should be thought of as mindfulness which you'll hear us kind of allude to over and over and we'll cover it in these three main acts you're gonna hear us talk about spirituality and mindfulness Michael will take you into some really wonderful basic meditation practices for those that don't have a practice um, and they really follow along with what's in the book so literally if you're reading this chapter and listening to this podcast, you're going to have two very powerful tools on your meditation practice as a hunter type. So we'll get into mindfulness and meditation, and you're going to hear us kind of wind up with the topic of gratitude, some really, really good stuff there and on how gratitude brings this all together. I want to remind you, this is The Drummer in the Great Mountain. We can be found at drummerandthegreatmountain.com. Click on that Facebook link. Share more and more with us as you have been. Keep it coming. We're inspired. We are motivated by your feedback. So keep it coming and thank you to those who already have. And without further ado, let's take you to my conversation, my sit down with Michael on the topic of spirituality here on The Drummer in the Great Mountain podcast. The term spiritual comes from the Latin word spiritus, meaning breath. In simple terms, breath. The opening sentence of chapter 8 on spirituality, what we really want to think about coming off of navigating, navigating emotions, which we covered last time, really think of this as mindfulness. That's all that this chapter is trying to communicate, and that's what we're here today to discuss on the Drummer on the Great Mountain podcast your guidebook to transforming adult ADD ADHD. And this is the podcast, the audio companion, to help you follow along in the book and give you some stories to share and just be part of our be part of our hunter community. Um, for those of us just joining us, that is what we are, a hunter community. And as always, joining me is Mr. Michael Joseph Ferguson. Good morning, my friend. How are you?
1: Good morning.
0: Nice day in Southern California. We're back after a little time off a hiatus for the July 4th holiday um I find myself saying this every time but I'm just I've just um surrendered you know in in a mindful way to uh that it's okay that I say every chapter I guess what it is is every chapter has has popped on a light bulb for me in a different way maybe it's not the same light bulb so I don't have to feel redundant this this really I think for everybody they're on a different path of of, of life in, in their path of being mindful and the practices they go forth in being mindful. So give us kind of your outtake, how you approach this chapter, and, and let's get into this topic of really what we want to come off of navigating emotions, which is mindfulness.
1: Yeah. So this is, um, there's a lot here, and it's one of those, spirituality is such a it has such a charge to it and sometimes there's an a direct association with religion and then that brings up all sorts of uh people not agreeing with each other on what they mean by this so uh but i felt it's important because i think there's a in terms of the book offering a a holistic approach to um, ADD and again, hunter type is the term that we've been using. Um, spiritual needs are definitely human needs, and it's sort of in the, it's kind of a, connect, a need for meaning. But also, I'd say that, that the prime focus today, as you mentioned, is mindfulness, uh, which I think is very that's everyone has everyone can understand that term. But then there's also this connection with. Um, so, so in starting, we we were just discussing before the podcast, I wanted to mention um, uh, Alan Watts is a very um, fairly well-known 20th century philosopher. I've listened to a lot of his, his talks. And one of the points that he makes is that uh, modern, one of the probably the biggest cause of suffering to modern man is perceiving ourselves as separate, which is hmm. an inaccurate perception, like just on a... Basic level, even from quantum physics, we are all interconnected. there'd Even though we perceive ourselves as being separate from the world around us and people around us, that's actually not the, the case. We are actually exchanging atoms with everything else. Everything is interconnected, and so that's the truth with the capital T. We are all interconnected, but perceiving ourselves as separate causes an immense amount of suffering. It keeps us um, often in in states of depression. And 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 it's something in our Western thinking that other cultures don't have that as much as we do, and it's definitely it's it's almost like a cancer within our thought form that really does cause us a lot of suffering, and it and it does lead to depression, and it and it's the idea I think the core of it is an idea is that we need to pull it off on our own, we cannot ask for support from someone else, or or we are not connected, or we're not worthy of of that connection, so. Spirituality, in turn, in the broadest sense, is not just sort of a transcended being that we we may or may not feel connected to. There's also that interconnectedness within within everything, within connected to all of us. Uh, and, and it so, seems,
0: sorry, if I could say it just, sure. it seems like how this connects to what this this book, this journey, this podcast is all about. It seems like this is one of those things you really want to, to grasp onto because it almost seems like when we're spinning our wheels, and this is just my thought, tell me what you think, it almost seems like when we're spinning our wheels as hunter types and we're not on the transformation process and all the frustrations we've um, so far in this podcast and in the book described that goes in being a hunter type, it seems that when, when this light bulb goes on about that you're, that, that there's a support and, and I just don't mean through finding other hunter types, just in that broader yeah. sense of mindfulness and spirituality, it's yeah. almost like if you know that, then you can start the transformation process. And if if you've ever as a hunter type, and, and I can speak for myself in many facets of, you start something, you're not able to finish it, whether that's a new discipline or a new whatever it may be, a lot of times I, I can reflect and say it's because... There was a disconnect, and then when you start feeling that connection, it almost helps you to do anything new in your life, and most mm-hmm. importantly, stay with it.
1: That's it. Exactly. And so yeah, that's precisely it. And so in terms of quote-unquote spiritual practice, that is whatever you do personally that gets you into a space of feeling more connected, because that that place of feeling completely disconnected is the worst suffering usually a human being can go through. So. A practice that – and it could be a religious practice. It could be getting out in nature. It could be playing music. To me, that is how you feed yourself spiritually. Uh, Reading things that inspire you. Art, creating art of any kind. Making that as important part of your life as the healthy foods that you eat, and how which the work you're perceiving in the world, it connects to meaning. It connects to uh, your emotional well-being, and so in the broadest sense, um, as you you listen to this podcast, maybe you can start thinking about what it is that brings you that connection that what actions do you take that have have in the past at some point or even in the recent past given you a sense of spiritual connection that brought you back so that you feel connected and then usually you'll start to see when you're in that space things start to click a little bit more you feel a little bit better about yourself and you start to draw things to you that inspire you and get you moving and so i think spiritual practice is, is it's extremely important and again it's it's completely individual everyone and and I, my sense of it is don't get in your head about it find something that actually does give you that connection not what you think you should or what someone else told you gives them connection it's like what do you do what can you do and it can be anything that gives you that sense of connectedness and moves you into a space where you feel empowered that you can actually take some action with your life
0: and With that, I mean, all of what you're saying comes through in an energy to me that that translates to about once you feel connected to, as Michael's been saying, agnostic here, whatever that path is for you. No, nowhere here do we say what that is or should be whatever that is for you. Um, It's different for everybody. It, It does come down to, frankly, whether you're 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 praying, praying. Or you're meditating. To me, always, and this is just me. You've always been meditating. It is a form of meditation. If we just take meditation as that thirty thousand foot aspect concept mm-hmm. of what it is, it's about taking a breath, mm-hmm. slowing down, and in some meditation practices, <clears throat> picturing what it is you want or 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 what it is you don't want and what you're trying to like, um, uh, re- what obstacles in a way you're trying to remove. So what it sounds like to me is, and it and, and it came across this way in reading the book, and you've mentioned it, this is really about, it's back to mindfulness, which connects, we always have interconnections on this podcast, to the two sessions we spent on navigating emotions. Because one of the big yeah. things we drove was about being mindful. Well, being yeah. mindful is, like anything else, something you have to get good at. Most hundred times yeah. when you're not transformed, speaking for myself, yeah not good at it because we seek this stimulation we seek to we seek this this aliveness right and and you mentioned this this is the theme you mentioned over and over in the book i'm getting this all from from the book you know and so when you're kind of always on the hunt for that emotion mindfulness doesn't really play into there but the transformation is that balance so everyone could benefit from some type of mindful meditation practice. But tell us why, Mike. What is it you found in, in writing this chapter um, why it benefits hunter types especially, since that's the concept we're in?
1: Yeah, well, and again, this is this is, it's a good segue into it. I think mindfulness and in meditation practice, these are these are very subjective things, but there are some key Uh, I, I would say the first thing I would say is mindfulness, the entire book is about mindfulness. Every single point that we've made throughout the entire podcast, whether it's diet, whether it's, you know, intending what you want with your life, whether, you know, tracking your emotions, all of this centers around mindfulness and awareness. And my sense is it's like a muscle and you build it through certain practices can really help strengthen this particular muscle of awareness. Um, And the the other analogy I would say is that when you are unmindful, when you're not fully present in the moment making decisions on your life, then you're basically a passenger in your life. You're – you're in that reaction mode continuously. Of like, I'm just just reacting to the next thing and the next thing, and that's what causes suffering. That is a, at the root of most suffering. Is just not being mindful and that's present. That's
0: such a that's such a brilliant analogy, though. And and I'm not necessarily saying you created, but I just love the way you approach this because when you just said about being the you you said something. I don't even know if you realized you said and how beautiful it was. Being a passenger and the immediate thing you said after that was being reactionary. And one of the things we talked about in Navigating Emotions was it not hunter types and what I call the spikes in the graph, you know, those times where um, when you're not doing the things to transform as a hunter type, um, you turn into, you know, Dr. Jekyll, the other side of you. And those spikes are what? Those are reactionary things. There is no mindfulness there. And I love the concept, this imagery that if you're a passenger, you're reactionary and if you're the driver, you're in control. So that that that's very powerful.
1: Well, I thank you. I appreciate that. Well, I, and again, this is all. These are all things to be complete transparent. I'm continually working on this. Same so here. This, this is this is just <laughs> an here. ongoing journey of being mindful and making mistakes and coming back. But. um but there are definitely practices that I've seen, and many, many, many hundreds of thousands of people have found, have been useful in terms of cultivating mindfulness. Um, and so, one, so just to give an, this is one of the examples that I've really enjoyed, that I always can keep coming back to. There's an author named Stephen Levine, uh, L-E-V-I-N-E, who's written a number of books on meditation and mindfulness, and he did a lot of work with the dying and being with people on through their dying process and, and bringing awareness and consciousness as people are passing over. And uh, one of the examples he gives is that if that there's part of us that's just awareness itself. Beyond our brain and our thinking abilities, there's awareness. There's this piece that is just watching things happening. And so the example that he gives is if you're sitting and reading a book – quietly by yourself and you're engrossed in what you're reading. And someone in the other room says, Hey, would you like a drink of water? And you just keep reading and you, you don't quote unquote hear them. You just keep reading and you literally did not process that that happened. And they finally have to come over and tap your hand and say, Hey, would you like some water? And then you say, Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't hear you. Well, your ears were functioning. What part of you did not actually hear what was said. And so some it's, it's where your awareness was mm. your attention was that's that's where you that's awareness because the functioning of your brain heard what happened heard what came in of
0: course. and so
1: connecting with the part of you that is just awareness itself is often at the core of spiritual of of mindfulness practices and meditation practices um and specifically so to give some specific examples, and again, there's quite a few in the book, the most simple mindfulness practice that i know of is is sitting down for 10 minutes 15 minutes sitting quietly getting comfortable and just resting your awareness on one particular point and keeping it there that's sort of the core of any mindfulness practices one pointed awareness and so you can just sit for a short period of time and rest your awareness at the tip of your nose and as you're inhale and exhale you just watch that point where air is entering in and exiting your nose and you just hold your awareness at that point you don't follow it in you don't follow it out you just rest your awareness at that point and you sustain that presence in that one particular location for say 10 minutes or 15 minutes and then you can stop and if you do this on a daily basis for a few days, you will notice the difference. Like your, your mind will start to quiet down. The chatter will start to quiet down. This is the simplest meditation practice I know. And it's extremely powerful. And some of the most, what I would consider advanced students in the areas of, of meditation, this is their practice. They will just sit quietly and rest their awareness there. And the whole world starts to fall away and you just Your whole attention falls in this one place. And as you do that as a practice, it's like lifting weights, then throughout your day when you have a practice like that, say in the morning, you're more able to then stop that reaction cycle from potentially starting where something occurs and then you – React without thinking, and then you regret the reaction, or you didn't -hmm. didn't go in the direction that you wanted to go in. Having a practice like this, and again, I'll give you another practice as well to to explore. These are the type of, of basic and extremely powerful meditation practices that I suggest anyone who's a hunter type, and pretty much anyone you know, Everyone should have some kind of meditation practice that maybe they do in the morning for even just 15 minutes or 10 minutes or half an hour or longer. Some people say, oh, do an hour. I say start with 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. Start there mm-hmm. and then move it from there. And what you'll end up finding is over time it gets a little easier and you're like, oh, okay, I can do this for a
0: little longer. And, and, if, and if I can, Michael, the starting small thing is nothing to be ashamed of. Um, Mm -hmm. One of the first things you suggested to me a long time ago, it was literally our first kind of um, goal, if you will. Um, You had me and I did it, uh, an iPhone reminder. um, Yes. I should say a smartphone, your smartphone of choice reminder. (laughs) um, And my reminder the first month said five minutes. I know it's 530 a.m., but literally the reminder title was five minutes of meditation. I had to start small. If you're a hunter type like me, a real hunter type that for a long time has kind of gone unchecked as hunter type, yeah, doing something routinely for five minutes is at first a challenge. So Michael says 15 minutes. I'm sharing my personal. Start with five. Work your way to 10. Work your way to 15 and watch the magic happen. And as yet another way I, I find myself whenever i'm talking to you on this podcast to, to to tie the images i'm seeing while you're talking and i get images of always tying it to hunter type and when you're describing how this um you, you say the three things this will do for you as a hunter type um slows yep. you down which you need calms yep. your nerves and gives you what you're describing was it gives you a daily anchor yeah. And what I was picturing while you were saying that was a hunter, literally, I was picturing a caveman that when he's at his best for the hunt is you see sometimes, you've seen in movies, you've seen in cartoons, they actually go to the corner and they just like sit for five yeah. minutes. And think of yourself, when you're thinking of yourself in this way, why Michael says this is so important and it is and why hunter types will benefit is – Remember, we're not trying to change you being a hunter type. We're trying to take all the advantages of it to their full throttle. And so picture as a hunter type that you are built, wired, as Michael has said from chapter one. You're wired this way. And that wiredness now in this imagery I'm trying to draw is to be on the hunt. That's fine. Mm -hmm. But by giving yourself that five minutes in the cave, that 10 minutes in the cave, in between the hunts are you not mm-hmm. going to be more successful on the hunt instead of just always going and that's that's the imagery that came to me so i just wanted to share that with the audience because that's and it's so simple right it's um it's free <laughs> Yeah. right there's no, no one is saying go get this go do it's literally free and, and um, it's about being present. Every spiritual practice of Eastern mm-hmm. medicine type, and this is a holistic book, and we're trying mm. to get away from the, the medication route for anything, including uh, hunter type. They all talk about be in the now, be mm. present. Well, that's easier said than done when you're a hunter type. So give yourself the gift of meditation in any way whatsoever ever, to give yourself that presence from that, Michael, there is a tie here to self-discipline, isn't there?
1: Yeah. And so this is, I mean, I would have to say for me, once I started going through the thing in my 20s, starting to really research um, personal empowerment and, and just in looking for role models, I definitely looked to a lot of people who were advanced in their spiritual practice and i'm talking like even monks from many different traditions people that had pretty much devoted their life to they just pretty much let everything else go and just said this is my one focus and and there was a uh, there was a piece also about um, contributing and giving back and and i just saw these people as being very advanced in who they were and so the the piece or the what keep when you read a lot of their writings Across the board, the one thing they say is self-discipline equals freedom, and I can attest to that 100%. When you have self-discipline, when you're no longer fighting yourself, when you have um, the ability to state what you wish to create and then create it without all of the um, friction of your own inner questioning and challenges and all that, when you're able to to streamline just a little bit because it's always going to be there – um, you're far more free as a human being. You're far more able to then not get into situations where you're you're forced to do something you don't want to do, and like, you're more able to take your talents into the world at, in a in the least effortful way possible. That's, and that's
0: and, the way to put it, and but
1: that's the point.
0: And with that, and yeah. with that comes what you just summarized. I'm now just putting the tail on it, putting the cherry on top, which is. Yep. If you're in that position in life as a hunter type, watch your hunt. Whatever it is you're hunting for, whether it's a few things, when we talk about the working world and how hunter types most benefit, which is doing a few things, not just one thing, you're mm-hmm. going to have so much more focus for those hunts. Trust me, it's true. And this, yeah. uh, this is this is absolutely true. I know you had another exercise you wanted to take us, so you've given us one, but I, I let's get to that. But I feel like getting to another topic that you you bring up in this chapter is about gratitude but i want to tie that in and have you tie it for us uh about gratitude there's body image which a lot of hunter types i can speak for myself um certainly mm. have gone through and how this all because this leads beautifully to what we're going to cover in the next chapter and the next podcast which is actually diet and exercise something we've built mm-hmm. up to but we're actually going to get into it but as the predecessor tell us about eating mindfulness eating mindfully which is which is a form of, of meditation, really. I can I can branch that. Mm-hmm, definitely. And, and, and gratitude and how all how gratitude is the next step and how that ties to to, to eating mindfully.
1: Yeah, definitely. So uh, gratitude. Is, so again, going back to sort of like what causes suffering, like emotional suffering, mental suffering. Um, most of it comes from this feeling of it's never enough, and this is something just rampant in Western culture. It's this, this through being bombarded with commercial imagery. It's like you're not good enough. It's never enough. You need more. You need more. When you're in that state and mental state of craving, constantly thinking about the next thing and the next thing, it's just pure suffering. There's It's just either – whether low level or high level. And so the anecdote to it's I, I need more. I need more. Craving, craving, craving is – the simple practice of gratitude it is it is it really this this is the anecdote when you actually sit and you think about here are the things that I already have I have now in this moment i'm grateful for my health i'm grateful that i'm actually alive and i'm experiencing life i'm grateful for it could be just people in your life if any per- i can sit with anyone and i don't care what you what physical ailments you have or whatever there's pieces that you can be grateful for. That when you when you bring your mind towards this is what I'm grateful for. It stops that cycle of craving, even if just for a moment. And so the practice of gratitude is so extremely powerful. In fact, they've done uh, medical studies where they've had people. Do this practice every day where they list what they're grateful for, and they watched their lives transform and their well being transform just through this simple practice. So I think it's very, very important to note it. So, um, and uh, the person I, I really reference from this is that there's a, a man named Brother Stendel Rost, who's a, um, I think he's a, he's definitely a Catholic monk, but I, he's very kind of, uh, he connects with many different religions. He talks, he's very, um, ecumenical and he uh there's a really good talk a, a ted talk called the power of gratitude uh highly recommend uh watching it's very inspiring um no matter what your belief system is it's it kind of transcends that it's very much worth the the search but so but basically the practices and I, re- I encourage this I do this myself and I encourage anyone else to do this as well as part of their daily practice perhaps connecting it in with the end of your meditation practice in the morning is just list mentally or on a piece of paper 5 10 15 items that you feel grateful for in this moment about your life and again if if it's if it's tough in the beginning push through it and, and it could just be, I, I'm grateful that I can breathe air. I'm grateful that I have fresh water to drink. Uh, I'm grateful for people in my life. I'm grateful that I have certain talents. I'm grateful for something that I've done in the past that, that I, that when I think about it, it inspires me. Anything that you can note gratitude on. Um, and then, then, as you mentioned, uh, bringing it to eating. So before you sit down you eat a meal, bringing awareness to, I am now eating right now. This is what's happening in this moment. I'm not thinking about the TV or whatever. I'm stopping my life for a second, and I'm looking down at this plate of food, and I'm grateful that I have food to eat because there are many hundreds of thousands of people in the world that don't have enough to eat. That's the reality. So just to bring your awareness to this moment and as you're eating your food – is so powerful in one, transforming food addictions that you may be having, as well as just having that be an anchor and a reminder for you during the day to bring mindfulness back into your life. So if you're scattered and you got all this stuff going on, you're sitting down to eat, well, this is one anchor that you know you're going to have at least two or three times every day as a meal to sit down and stop, take a breath, and find both gratitude and mindfulness in that moment. And then if you use those times during your day, again, breakfast, lunch, dinner, or however you structure your eating throughout the day, stop, take a breath and use that as your anchor point towards cultivating more mindfulness within your whole day. When you have those anchors, then you're you're just like, you're building from one to the next, to the next. And you know that you'll just constantly be cycling throughout the day. And so this is, This is one place in your life where you can anchor all of your um, mindfulness practices. You can just anchor it to when you eat your food every day.
0: I'd be remiss if I didn't share, but I was struggling whether I should because I was worried it would get a bit emotional. But uh, I'll do my best because I I think this is important. Um, One of the things I for sure have struggled with in my life is food addiction. There is no ifs, ands, or buts. Never really addicted to anything else in life. Um, but late in life, I I realized this is real. And for people who don't think it's real, you just haven't experienced it. It is like any other addiction. You try to get off it. You try to get off it. It makes you feel good. There's all the cycles of addiction definitely have been there. Now there's reasons for everybody. For me, it was reasons growing up, um, uh, fleeing a country during revolution, which had a lot of ties into food and comfort. um, fleeing the homeland in the midst of all this, where a homeland where food is just everything, it's our culture. And long story short, to to give the Reader's Digest, that did build a bad habit. And one of the terrible habits I've had for 40 years that I continue to work on, but more than ever I work on as a hunter type, is eating too fast. And as Michael, you were talking, it just brought up so much, and I can't be the only one, so that's why I want to share that this is such a simple exercise, and it is no coincidence Michael did not know this before. Over the last two weeks with my two-year-old, I have literally started this practice. And <clears throat> the reason I had to start it with him is <clears throat> children are sponges, and they are copycats at this age. And I've been kind of told by my family over the last year or so that, that my little boy is very much copying his dad's eating style. And you can say, mm. oh, well, that's a boy. But no, he is. He's really over the last year or so, you know, he really doesn't take time to chew his food and 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 take it in. And I kind of put it off. I was kind of in denial. No, he hasn't learned that from me. But I woke up as I was going through this hunter process. I have to be completely honest and said, no, it is. That is why he's eating like that. He sees me eating every day. So I made a decision. I made a decision that. <clears throat> As I work on this for myself, it is going to be his gift too, and I'm going to teach him early on. So, literally, as Michael was talking, I was getting chills because over the last two weeks, this little boy has now prompted me that when we're eating dinner together, we both have our bite, and I have him look at me. I say, Look at me, look at Dada, chew, chew, chew. So, we do that, and then I have him take a big, deep, sweet breath, and it is the sweetest thing yeah. you've ever seen. But it's not for him, it's for me. But through being mm. it for me, and I can't. Can I tell you? He's now doing it on his own. He is no. now. I just hey. had. He was eating his snack the other day, uh, cereal and milk, uh, organic, of course. And I yeah. heard him from the couch chewing, 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 and then I heard, and I heard him blow it out <laughs> through his mouth. I cannot tell you how powerful this is, ladies and gentlemen of our hunter community, yeah. eating mindfully. Let me summarize. Quiet gratitude before eating a meal. Ancient wisdom. It yeah. reminds you that you do have food to eat. Do you see the tie-in Michael makes here to yeah. gratitude? This is three exercises in once. This is a meditation, absolutely. Yeah. It is a discipline. It's tied to gratitude. Michael states, I am eating, and I am aware that I am eating. This is your eating mantra. You want a mantra? Yeah. You don't have to go anywhere to pick out a mantra. This is your eating mantra. This can break cycles of food addiction, which a lot of hunter types I know definitely have in some way, and it's doing the last thing I love, Michael, which you say. This is actually making you make a commitment on three branches. You're making a commitment to yourself. You're making a commitment to the transformation process, and if you have anybody you care for in this life, you're making a commitment to them.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah. Yeah. It just, it, it. it's
0: no coincidence. And you, I mean, literally over the last two weeks, this has been it. And, and guess what, guess what I'm doing in essence? I am teaching my son about meditation. This is really what this is in the end. He's, yeah. he's learning to, to take a time out. Um, so I had to share that cause it's just, it's so powerful to, 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 to wrap up for the day, I know you had another, which you mentioned in the book, and, and I highly yes. encourage for those with the book, if you've already read over this chapter, go back to this. Can you take us through the body image talk and just take us through a little bit of that as we kind of close in today? Tell us about the body image challenge.
1: Absolutely. And, and I, and I'm going to give a couple references because all of this is, there's a whole world here. If you've not really explored meditation and mindfulness, that there's, there's a lot out there and there's also a lot of confusing, conflicting, and, um, some, sometimes fluffy, <laughs> is that would call it? Um, spirituality. Sure. And so before going into this, um, meditation, I'm going to give, give there's, I, I give three teachers that I think are, are worth exploring, um, that are, are, I don't know. These are, they're very well-respected. Um, one would be, uh, the great Thich Han. Um, if you look him up online, uh, it's T-H-I-C-H and then not N A N H A T and Han is H-A-H-N. Uh, amazing, beautiful man. He's probably getting close to the end of his life. His teachings are, um... Amazing, coming out of, the, of um, very the, sort of the basic Buddhist traditions of, of meditation. Highly recommended um, reading his books. Um, there's many talks online. Definitely. And very, again, connecting to any, whatever your belief system is. These these are people that I feel like transcend any particular religion. um The second would be Pema Chodron. She's uh, a Western teacher, uh, female. She's amazing, Uh, beautiful teacher in terms of mindfulness, PE. M-A and then Chodrin, C-H-O-D-R-I-N, I I believe. And the third one, and this is the reference to this meditation, is another Westerner um, who studied um, uh, many mindfulness practices in the East and then came back and has been teaching for at least 30, 40 years. I remember hearing it when I was a kid. uh, Shinzen Young, so that's S-H-I-N-Z-E-N, and Young is Y-O-U-N-G. So uh, for a long time, this actually meditation was on his website, And I just checked and it's no longer there, but he has a whole group of videos online and lots of free material to check out on mindfulness. And you can find him at shinzen.org, S-H-I-N-Z-E-N.org. And this is one of the most basic meditations you can do. So I'll walk you through it. uh, And then again, this is covered in depth uh, in the book. Um, and he calls this body image and talk or bit meditation. And I found this particular meditation to be extremely powerful. And so the primary directive is you spend a few breaths on three particular, what, what, what he calls sense gates. And these are, the first one is body sensations. So that's the B in, in bit is body sensations. The second is imagery in your mind's eye. So, as your thoughts arise, there's images that appear in your mind's eye. These are, that's the next sense gate that you would be referencing. And the third is talk, which is the chatter that happens in your brain, the talk of just, and if if you bring your awareness to it, you're like, oh my gosh, this is happening all the time and it never stops. And so, what I found from this meditation that I'm going to walk you through that doing this particular awareness practice I've found has given me an ability to, um, as I've been doing it quiet down my mind tremendously and very quickly. And what I like about it is it doesn't push away um, any particular thoughts or it, it doesn't, it's not about resisting things it's just about bringing your awareness to what's happening and through doing so it actually quieting down your body and your your mental chatter so the basic meditation is you start by touching your thumb to your index finger so there'll be three things that you're going to be doing so thumb to index finger is body and so for say three breaths you bring your awareness to one point Pick a point on your body, specific point, and you bring your awareness to that point for three breaths. And you just breathe in cycles. Of three. And if your mind moves to some other point in your body or your thoughts or whatever, just come back to that one point. And just pick three, So start with three breaths and you can expand from there. So just three breaths, pick a point, rest your attention there, and then release your fingers. And then take it a couple breaths. And then the next... Um, fingers that you'll be touching would you'll be touching your thumb to your middle finger and you're going to basically say imagery so this is going to be the imagery in your mind's eye that, that, that arise as thoughts arise and you just bring your attention to the imagery in your mind's eye so thoughts will appear the things will come up in your mind's eye of just things in the past or the future, or fantasies or whatever you just, you just watch it as if you're watching a TV screen you're just bringing your full awareness to what is arising in your mind's eye. And then you do that for three breaths. You release your fingers. You take a breath or two. And then the final one is you go thumb to your ring finger. And that's talk. And you can even, for each one of these, you can just say the word at the very beginning. You can say talk. And basically now you're bringing your awareness to... Between your ears, you're listening for the chatter and the talk that's happening inside your brain in that moment. The, your brain, you're constantly, there's always talk going on, just for everybody. It's rare that that ever stops. Um, so bringing your awareness to that. So you thumb to ring finger, and you just say talk, and you bring your awareness to the talk and the chatter happening, and you just listen, and you just Just like you're listening, but you don't allow anything else. To you don't think about your body, you don't think about anything else. You just bring your awareness to the talk. You don't try to stop it. You just bring your awareness to it. And then for three breaths, you do that, and then you release your fingers and you take a breath. And so that is the entire practice. And so you can do you can expand that to three breaths. You can go through multiple cycles of that. Um, My personal experience with this meditation has been profound. Uh, I found that by doing this and start doing this every morning for say I don't know like a week or two weeks that what ends up happening for me personally is when I say bring my attention to talk the awareness of the talk quiets it down it just goes it just goes very quiet and in in that experience of just not hearing the chatter in your head when you when it's just been going pretty much your whole life is so amazingly peaceful. It is the most wonderful experience. And it takes a while from my personal experience to get to that place where it actually really starts to quiet down. But it starts by bringing the awareness to it. And so the other benefit that I found is that it's almost like I've created these buttons on my fingers. So when I then during the day, if I've access that place in my meditation where my mind has quieted down if i'm going my day and i'm spinning out and things are happening if i just put my thumb to my ring finger and go talk just go right it's like it's Mm. programming that meditation into your fingers and if you're not doing it all the time but you're just picking certain times during the day and you constantly go back to refreshing it every morning it is an extremely powerful meditation technique and so um, and that's it
0: beautiful it's no more no that's more, no more simple than that it it i love the way you approached it i mean you literally i think gave our audience something they can replay on a daily basis i i think the way michael approached that you can you can literally replay this portion <clears throat> excuse me in our in the book this is on page 184 So page 184 is uh, where you can see the written version of what Michael just gave you in this body image talk practice. And it's really beautiful. And remember, this combined with eating mindfully are literally two homework assignments. So we're always kind of lately been coming away with assignments. Your journaling, your money day for what it is you want to do as a hunter type. All that has been in the background. You've been processing that. Now let's add this. Everyone, if you don't have some kind of way to just sit and be quiet and and do something as a discipline, i.e. meditation. This is your chance. Come with us on this journey. Join us here in Chapter 8 and really dive in because this you will actually see will become a foundation, as Michael said. It's really an anchor. This has been yet another absolutely amazing um, podcast to have with you, my friend. I just want to remind people who may be new, who may be just... Joining our Hunter community here on this podcast. This is the audio companion to The Drummer and the Great Mountain. You can find us on drummerandthegreatmountain.com. Please click on that Facebook link in the upper right corner. We've been getting tremendous feedback. I say it every week because it's growing. Thank you for the feedback, thank you for the comments. And sharing some of your stories, some of which we're gonna, in some way or another, have up soon. Because you're you're gonna start to see the community is growing, and, and we we're just grateful and and thankful for that. So drummerandthegreatmountain.com is where it all starts. Click on Facebook. Check us out on Twitter for the latest um, uh, feeds on what may be going on <clears throat> and what events uh, may be coming up surrounding this book by Michael. And continue to really give us your feedback and and give us your stories and share, share, share. I do want to do a teaser, as I always do, that this is a beautiful thing. If you do get on this journey with us this week on finding this practice, we are going to be leading right into a very big chapter on diet and exercise and really starting to bring this all together with um, exercise and diet, which is something we've been kind of working up to. Anything to wrap up on your end on this beautiful day, my friend?
1: Uh, other than just uh, extreme gratitude for you and all that you've been contributing to the podcast. And I just want to give another plug for, for your music, which is amazing. Uh, check out it, which is you hear at the beginning and the end of each podcast. It's B Violin. And boybviolin.com. Thank you, and um, yes, it's it's been it's been a great journey, and just and also as you stated, I'm really grateful for the feedback that we've been getting. Um, it's definitely keeps us going and inspired to continue to share, and um, we'll be more than likely planning some events here soon. So yes. please stay tuned.
0: Absolutely, and and I I have to emphasize again on the sharing part. For me personally, it's the sharing is what keeps me going and so motivated to get on here on a very early uh, Saturday every week with Michael to do this for our community. It's it's what you're sharing personally. Those of you who have shared literally how you're going through the chapters, where you are in the chapters, and where you are in your life with this process, that's my motivation. Yes. And, and just we're both in absolute gratitude for it. So thank you for joining us on this hunter journey. Once again, we've covered spirituality, i.e. mindfulness today. Looking forward to discussing exercise and diet next time. And as always, please take care of yourselves and your health. Be well.
1: Thanks for tuning in. This podcast is intended solely for the purpose of personal growth and not as a replacement for professional psychological support. The views and opinions of the hosts and guests of this show are not meant to be taken as medical advice. It is very important to seek the help of a qualified medical practitioner when making any shifts to psychiatric medication you may be taking or if you're experiencing extreme psychological distress.